This is Eugenie Bondurant from Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, and you're listening to Don't Go Out There podcast. Fear is defined as a feeling of agitation and anxiety caused by the presence or imminence of danger. And whether it's a ghost, a spirit, or an entity, they all feed on it. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, and Mike, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Um, hope everyone had a good Christmas. We appreciate everyone who tuned into our Christmas bonus and uh, our episode that featured the strangers in an elite movie don't care what reggie says at all uh tonight we're uh, talking about another movie that i really really like it's uh it's hard to believe honestly that this movie came out in 2013 to me uh, it's kind of it's six years old now it's kind of hard for me to fathom that uh tonight we're talking about the conjuring and uh we're just going to give our basic thoughts and jump into the scene by scene because this is kind of a long movie so hopefully we don't run too too long for y'all but this is going to be a fun one to discuss and I think you'll really enjoy listening to it. Um, like I said, it came out in 2013. I don't think I saw it in the movie, so if I don't remember seeing it, I probably didn't. I thought it was really good. I'm a big fan of uh, James Wan, the director, personally. I'm a huge fan, honestly. I might have a, a hot take about him. I introduce on this show down the road. This movie is kind of just uh, another Amityville Horror-type haunting movie, but it's, uh, it's done very well. And I really love how the cinematography James Wan using this movie, and I love the characters in it. Uh, Drew, do you want to go ahead and give your thoughts on The Conjuring? Um, I love this franchise. I'm gonna go ahead and just say it outright. I love this franchise. Like when uh, the second one came out, me and Nico immediately said, "Bro, we got to watch this straight to the movie theater." And uh, but the movie, this movie, uh, it sucked me in right off the bat. It's got the combination of everything. Uh, the music was great. Like, their whole way through, it set the tone for a lot of the scenes. Uh, the actors were awesome, as Ed and, Ed, Ed and uh, Lorraine Warren. Uh, I actually followed some of their stuff before they ever hit the main screen. Like, you know, some of those, like, Investigation ID, like, the haunting stuff. So I saw some of that, but I love, love this movie. Love it, love it, love it. Brian, you want to give your thoughts on The Conjuring? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. I'm actually in the uh, minority here. I had never seen this before uh, today, actually. Um, you know, it's one of those pop culture things where, I mean, I knew about it. I knew the hype behind it. Uh, I knew, you know, little things like, you know, the clap game and stuff, you know, that's in pop culture, you know, from it. But I never I never just sat down and watched it. Um, I, and I've said before on the podcast um, I think it was your name, or when we were kind of talking about it, even though it was a whole different ballgame. But, you know, I'm demon stuff. Like, I believe in demons, and that shit scares me, to be honest with you. Like, it really, for real, bothers me. And there are certain movies that will really stick with me, especially certain scenes will just really stick with me. And, you know, it messes with me. It messes with me sometimes. Um, I will say... Yeah, I liked this movie. I liked this movie a lot. It made me want to get into the whole series because I guess the new newer age horror, I just never really, I've never really got into. Probably after about Saw 4, you know, besides, you know, uh, Jason uh, 2009, I don't 
really think I got into new age horror a whole lot, but, uh, you know, I, I was really pleasantly surprised with this. Um, to me, there's, it's like, it's almost two halves of a movie. And I guess we'll kind of get into that a little bit, but, uh, especially the first half, man, it really, it really scared me. It really got me. Go ahead, Mike. All right. So look, I want to start off by saying, I love this movie. I think a lot of people thought I was coming into shit on this film. Not true at all. I, I, I think this movie is great. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to have another week of uh, love fest, which is fine. I like reviewing good movies more than I like reviewing bad movies, depending on the movie. So just want to start that off. Um, as far as my belief in, 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 in all of this stuff, I really, I don't want to crap on that because we, I clearly have co-hosts to do, and I have no problem with that. But as far as something being scary, these kinds of movies, these possession movies, they don't freak me out. They don't scare me. But I can still appreciate and enjoy what they're doing, the way they're trying to make the movie. And again, you know, hand up if you heard me say this before. <clears throat> the mood, the atmosphere, the lighting, yeah. the yeah. sound, it's all so well done. The cinematography is great in this movie. And they didn't reinvent the wheel. We've seen haunting and possession movies and possession movies before, but they do it better than it's been done in maybe ever, probably ever. I'll go ahead and say that. This is probably my favorite one ever made. Yeah, I just want to touch on something Brian said, then we'll jump into the scene by scene. The demon movies don't really, like the demon possession type movies, don't really scare me in movie form, but uh, the thought of a demon scares me a lot. <laughs> like, if I ever, you know, I've heard, you know, like religious people, church people talk about it before, and I'll be honest with you, I don't ever, ever, ever want to encounter, encounter anything with a spiritual activity or a demon. I want no part of that. <laughs> so let's just jump into this scene by scene, fellas. The film starts with a close-up shot of the Annabelle doll, and the screen just says Annabelle Case 1968. It, it, it's got Ed and Lorraine Warren, and they're, they're listening to these three, I just call them young adults. They're telling the story of this doll. The, uh, the, they say they found this doll and that the spirit in this, in this house wanted to move inside of the doll. It's Annabelle Higgins. And at first, nothing was that bad, but things got creepier and creepier as time went on. So they, they, they came into the house one night, and they found this doll that was in the spare room, and then they found the doll in the hallway with crayons in its hands. And they looked in the spare room, and they saw crayon marked all over the walls, and they saw on the top, on the roof, on the ceiling, it said, Miss Me. And they was like, Oh, hell no. So this girl takes the doll outside, throws it in the dumpster. So that night when they go to sleep, they hear a loud knock at the door. So they go and open the door. She looks on the ground and she looks around. She doesn't see anybody knocking, but she looks on the ground and sees the same miss me letter. And they're freaking out. Then, then there's another knock, but it's inside. They open the door and it's the Annabelle doll. Then it just cuts after that. It cuts to Ed and Lorraine talking to them. And now that, you know, then it cuts to where they're just doing a seminar and, you know, they say, well, what do, what do, what's your job title, Ed and Lorraine? What, what is your profession? They say, some of they call us demonologists, some of this. Then Lorraine just makes it generic, you know. Uh, some people just call us kooks, and, you know, everyone laughs. Then it just has a, uh, like, a, a caption screen, and it just says, you know, the since the 60s, they're the most renowned demonologists, and Ed is the only non-Catholic church, I think is what it said, member to be an associate demonologist. Then after that, it just cuts to a 1971 Harrisville, Rhode Island, is what the screen says. I wrote that this family, 
you know, you're, you're the family we're going to follow in the film. They show up to the house. They get out of their car. They all run into the house. They're all excited. But some, uh, something that catches uh, the, the father, uh, Roger's attention, is the dog, Sadie, does not want to go inside the house. They're begging this dog to go inside, but it won't come. So it's like, ah, right, screw it. You can just stay outside then. Then I just wrote down, you know, it's just a basic moving the house, moving stuff into the house, furniture, boxes into the house scene after that. Then it's the evening time. The kids are playing the game called Hiding Clap. The daughter, Christine, is the one who has the blindfold on, and she's walking around this house. And, you know, she doesn't know the house well, so she almost trips over a box. The mom says, don't play in the house doing that yet. You don't know this house good enough. But Nancy Nancy is hiding in what they think is a closet, and Christine opens the door, and she catches her, but she knocks a board down. And they're like, oh, what would you break? Then the father does the uh, – figures out that they have a cellar in the house and then it just it cuts to the night scene and Sadie is outside barking. Mike, do you want to give your opening thoughts on these two scenes? Yeah, I think these scenes do a really good job of, of having what I like to call little scares. They're not jump scares. They're not in your face. They're, they're little, little things that, that, that kind of make you feel uneasy. Uh, the dog doesn't want to come in the house. It's a big one. It kind of puts me in that place. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of accepted, you know, dogs know what's up. Dogs know what's going on. That's kind of a thing that most people accept. And when you see that, you're like, uh, okay, okay, I, I can get with this. And I think that, by the way, I love, I meant to say this in my open, but now, but now I can. Love Vera Farmiga. Love Patrick Wilson. Both of these, mm-hmm. both of them in this movie are fantastic as Ed and Lorraine mm-hmm. Warren. I think they both play their parts so well. And I am a Vera Farmiga stan. I love her to death. I think she's attractive in a way that doesn't make sense, but you can thank Bates Motel for that. Um, but you know, back to the conjuring, really well done. And I'm not look. Maybe we'll talk about it another day. But I'm not like huge on the Annabelle doll. Like I don't. That doesn't. That really kind of pulls me out of this whole universe. But in this movie, to set up Ed and Lorraine Warren and to kind of set up why they're important in, in this film, I think it works. So I like these two opening scenes. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, um, this movie is pretty quickly establishes that it's, you know, I mean, okay, so this movie is not really a horror movie for, it's more like a horror movie for people who don't love horror movies like us. You know, it's just. That's a good point. It's like a horror, it's a horror movie for like, it's a horror movie for like my mom who is just, you know, occasionally will watch one and want to legitimately be scared. You know, there's no gratuitous gore or nudity. It's just psychological. And it's going to be really hard for me to explain, I think, for the first hour of this, like why it scares me. But I mean, I'm going to try. But um, these these first scenes do a really good job anyway of of setting up logical parts um i wrote down at, at seven minutes and 47 seconds into it when they're moving into the uh moving into the house if you look on the left it really looks like there's a freddy sweater laying on the bench and i don't know if that's it caught my eye so i rewinded and paused it but um maybe something you want to check out and i don't i couldn't find anywhere if there was any easter eggs or anything mike did you you said yeah, there was no that's all egg? i was going to say is i looked for it because i said i i thought the same thing and didn't find anything so oh okay yeah so um and, and I will say the cinematography in this movie is unmatched. It's absolutely unbelievable. Fantastic. And when they're move when they're moving in, you know that whole it's like it's almost like a one shot. You know it's going from room to room. There's no cuts, and they do that a lot this movie, and it's really impressive. James Wan did a really good job with it. 
Drew Chains. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, um, I love the way they in- introduced it all. It kind of took you somewhere and you thought it was going to go there. Then it actually pivoted to like the real story of where we're going to go. And then, uh, like like Brian said, um, the way they shot this was incredible. The way they changed just a slight little bit of lighting to set a different mood or tone of what's kind of going on at the time. And uh, like like uh, Mike said, like is it, if your dog don't want to go there, you probably don't want to go in there. Like you know, the dogs are gonna be the first your first line of defense. So that was it. Definitely uh, made you pause okay what's gonna be in there or what is causing the dog to trip out about it um i'm, I'm with everybody else on here too like the actors they got it i absolutely love them love them and anything they've done hey and i will say i really like how this movie really takes itself very seriously and obviously those actors like you guys said kind of you know sell that not kind of they sell that it believe unbelievable but i really like how this movie sets up the rules of this universe almost basically which i mean i didn't know they i don't think they were gonna you know knew it was gonna be a universe at that time but you know they they set up the rules of this movie and they never really stray from it and you know i i really i really respect that in the movie i really like that oh yeah the net the next scene is just says <laughs> carolyn the mother she's waking up in the morning she puts her uh you know her bedroom slippers on and she notices she has this really big bruise on her leg. She's like, oh, what's going on with that? And she walks into the hallway. You know, she sees all of her kids go coming out of the room. One kid says it's freezing cold. The oldest daughter, Andrea, says, man, it smells bad. It smells like fart in my room. She's like, well, does it smell like that now? She's like, no. I was like, well, don't worry about it then. It's all good. <laughs> then, mm-hmm. then the mom, Caroline, she makes, a, she makes a point that all the clocks are stopped at 3.07 for some reason. And then the, the youngest, uh, or no, I'm not going to say the youngest daughter because I can't remember, but the daughter, April, she goes to run outside to find Sadie, and she runs outside, she sees the dog, and she starts screaming, and, you know, the parents run outside, and they discover that the dog Sadie is dead, which is very unfortunate for us because we all love the doggos. Then it cuts to Monroe, Connecticut, to the Ed and Lorraine Warren's home. Ed is taking a reporter into the haunted room, as I call it personally. The reporter asks if it scares him to have all this haunted stuff in the house. You know, Ed, he just says, you know, it's better for us to have it here in our house instead of having it in the world freely. So, but he also has uh, a priest come over once a month to bless the room to help keep the demons at bay. And then the reporter just asks to see the Annabelle doll. And Ed makes the comment that this doll is a conduit, which is very important for the conjuring universe as a whole. Ed, all of a sudden, he finds, he hears a noise and he sees, Judy, the da- his daughter, in the room playing around. He says, don't ever come in this room. You know you're not supposed to come in here. Then after this, Ed just goes to Lorraine. He brings her some tea. And Lorraine makes she, she just takes a sip of the tea. It's not sweet enough. But she says, how did the interview go? And, he, and Ed, Ed says, it went fine. Everything went good. And Ed says, or Lorraine tells Ed to stop blaming yourself because Something happened to Lorraine in a previous incident with them two in a spiritual way. And Ed really feels like it's his fault that she's that she's affected by it. It's, and like like all the three other co-hosts said, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are just phenomenal in this movie. And it's really hard to, even if you don't like this movie, you can't leave this movie saying that these two aren't great. Now I'm going to read the next thing and give, get you guys thoughts. So it's 3.07 a.m. And it just shows the daughter, Christine, Christine and Nancy share a bedroom together. 
you know, Christine complains. She keeps saying, Nancy, stop grabbing my foot because she's feeling something grabbing at her foot. And she's like, Nancy, stop farting because they think the room stinks really bad. And then it just shows Roger. He's a, he's a, he fell asleep at his desk and he wakes up and he hears like a staticky TV and he hears a knock in the house and he just walks around and he goes into the hallway and he sees the door open. Then he walks up the stairs and he hears another noise and Andrea tells uh, Roger that Cindy's in his in her room sleepwalking. And I guess like it's like this dresser that opens up and she's just constantly walking into it back and forth, back and forth. So Roger just takes her to bed. The next morning, Roger notices another bruise on Carolyn's back. And, he, you know, as a husband, you know, he's like, you need to go to the doctor and get this checked out. And as he walk, and as he leaves the house to go to work, he notices all these birds just flying into the house. And he's just like, I think Roger's starting to catch on. Man, something's kind of fishy going on. Caroline, she walks into April's room. The mom, she walks in April's room because she hears her talking to an imaginary friend, Rory, as he's called. She does this uh, music box, and it's got, like, this little clown that comes out, and it's got this little mirror that rotates. And, you know, just get a little jump scare where the daughter just says, boo, I scared you, Mommy. Then they play hide and clap together. Uh, Carolyn, she goes into Andrea's room where that uh, opening, that, that drawer that opens up. And she hears the clapping, but it's not April. It's, as you see in the trailer, it's that spirit, it's that demon, it's that spirit. And you see the hands come from behind the clothes, uh, and she and you see the clap, which is it, it kind of that's like one of the first scenes that catches your eye that says, Oh shit, something's going on in this house. And you know, she rips the she rips the clothes open and she sees nothing in there. Then April says, Mommy, you weren't even close. I was in Caroline or Catherine's room. And the mom just looks around in the room puzzled. Uh Drew, what are your thoughts on those scenes, buddy? Well, I'm gonna kinda touch on something like when she found like when she found the little the toy when she first found it this is what i was talking about like how they changed like the mood just by changing just a little bit of lighting you see when uh she walked up to it and found it by the tree like how as she picked it up like the backdrop changed and it just slightly in a different color and it just kind of had an ominous feel to it and it gave me a chill when it when that one come um the clap game i think is pretty daggone awesome they, they, I don't know. Is it was it a real game? Is it like a real game? I'm assuming it is if they just put it in the movie. But uh, the good little girl sleepwalking into arm, the arm, armoire. Is that what they're called? Armoires. They, uh, you know, that was kind of odd. I was just like, man, just sit there and made made the same kind of thumping noise that you eventually hear later on. Uh, so, go ahead, Mike. So, a couple things. Um, I love I. Just to piggyback off of what Drew said, I think that they do a really good job of kind of switching the camera work up, switching the lighting up in these couple scenes to where it's just enough to make me, I don't know, it it, it made me feel uneasy. And it's really tough for one of these kind of movies to do that, to like make me, to kind of suck me in and be like, ooh, okay. And the hand clap thing. I have a nitpick, and as much as I'm going to shower this movie with love, I have a small nitpick. I love the hand clap. Great stuff. However, whoever did marketing for this movie did a really bad job of giving too much away in the trailer. Because I remember seeing this movie in the theater, which, by the way, the theater experience, I know we're going to, I plan on talking about it at the end, but I might as well now. The theater experience is much different than watching this movie at home. In the theater, this movie is great. Like, 
it, it's so great at home, but the experience is much, much different. Lights go down, it's surround sound, like you hear every little move, every little thing. And so the in-theater experience is awesome with this movie. However, leading up to the release of this film, the trailer gave a ton away. And the hand clap thing is one of those things. And it's the same gripe I had with Halloween 2018, same gripe I had with Conjuring, where we, we gave a little too much away there. So that's kind of what, when I watched this movie back, I remember the trailer coming out and thinking, well, damn it. Like, why are we doing that? Like, but it's still scary. It's still really well done. Still, and by the way, anytime I've said this on many episodes, anytime you involve kids in horror, whether they're alive or you kill them, it just hits a different note, man. It just does. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, and then you killed the dog, and man, I was just like, God damn, killed the dog. Come on. I knew, oh, this, movie, I I knew this movie was serious. Oh, that, man, that's like, honestly, that's the saddest part of this whole movie to me is the freaking dog. I know the mom loses her shit, spoiler alert, but man. <laughs> But uh, this movie really does a really good job of the point where just any normal activity that they do kind of makes you cringe with anticipation. And, and it has to do with a little bit with the music, but it's also because it's it's built you up already. And, you know, it's just it's just the beginning, too, because, you know, you're almost exhausted at the end of this movie because you're just so, you know, ridden with anticipation. I was anyway. Um, this is it's starting to get to the point in this movie where it's starting to kind of really bother me. Um, like the, the biggest scene that I think anybody can say, hey, what do you remember from that movie from from Paranormal Activity? And what was that, 2007 or 2009 or something like that? I think when that came out. But it was the hey, um, you know, her being pulled out of the bed by something, you know, just pulled out of the bed by her leg hanging out. I think that that's the most memorable part of that. And so that stuck with me. And so to see that kind of, again, it is just kind of bringing back these old, like really cringy feelings that I had whenever, you know, uh, this first scene or whatever, when, when I don't remember which daughter it was, but when she kind of pulls on her leg a little bit and, uh, you know, she, she blames it on her sister and, and then it's kind of left alone, but obviously it comes up here, comes up here pretty soon, but the, the movie's starting to, to bother me a little bit. And, you know, I watched it at home by myself, I wasn't in the theater. And so that's kind of a catch-22 because it's like, okay, if you're in a theater, a good theater with a good group of people, that's great. But if you're in a theater where everybody's talking, running their mouth the whole time, that can kind of, I think, take you out of it too. So I'm glad to hear that the experience, you know, was good for, for Mike whenever he was in the theater. So anyway, that's kind of my thoughts. So later that evening, the dad, Roger, he's on the phone. He's talking. He's uh, he's a truck driver. He's getting a... Um, He's getting another route, but he's kind of complaining that it's like, man, this is way below, you know, my asking rate, but I'll take it. We need it. So, you know, after that, you know, the mom just cares. She just says, uh, we're going to get through this tough time. Then it cuts to Christine in her room again, and it shows Christine laying down in bed. And this time you see her get her foot pulled like for real, mm -hmm. for real. Like she gets a drug almost off the foot of the bed. Oh, here we and, go. She starts and she starts panicking a little bit. She's like, Nancy, stop pulling on my on my on my foot. But she notices Nancy's still asleep. So she starts, you know, it shows her like with these really cool shots to me of her looking over the foot of the bed, then over the side of the bed. Then she looks under the bed through. She looks underneath the bed where she can see her bedroom door. And I think that shot's really good. But then she's like, she sees something. She sits up and she says, Nancy, Nancy. Then Nancy wakes up. And then Christine, she's like, do you see it? Do you see it, Christine? Do you see it? 
And she's like, no, what are you talking? She's like, it's it's behind the door. There's somebody in our room. And then, you know, Nancy gets up. She, well, open, she, uh, she opens the door a little bit. She's like, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And then Christine says, it's right behind you. Then the door slams. And they start screaming. And the parents run in. And Christine says, the spirit. And, you know, the mom is hugging her. And the dad's asking, like, what's going on? And then Christine says, the spirit said it wants my family dead. And that's a that th this is where the movie you know starts to you know it's like in a roller coaster once you start going up that hill you know you know your heart right. it's when you start losing your breath a little bit it, it's kicking up now. Then Ed and Lorraine they're off to see Father Gordon about a case and I just wrote the words in quotations I love Vera Farmiga because she she is so supportive of her husband in this movie and they're such a team you know and Ed just doesn't want to put his wife his wife at risk anymore but she's like. God put us together. We're a team. I'm going with you regardless of what you say. Then it shows Carolyn. She's taking some meds, and she notices more bruises on her chest. Then she goes into a room. She's folding up laundry, and she hears a clap. Okay. She's like, why are y'all playing this right now? So she walks her. She's walking through the She's walking through the house, and she sees the kids laying in bed. And But then all of a sudden, you hear this really, really loud crashing noise, and all the pictures that are on the wall fall on the ground. Then the clock starts going off really, really loud. And then the mom hears another clap and she sees the cellar door opening. So she goes down into the cellar, but she falls down all the steps. And as she's running up the stairs, the light blows out. She gets to the top of the door or on top of the stairs by the door. She lights a match and she's looking around. Then the light, then the match goes out. So she lights another one. Then you see that scene you see in the trailer where the two hands are right behind her head or right beside her head and it claps. You know, she starts screaming and yelling and panicking. And she's and, and you hear that spirit say, you want to play hide and clap, and it's really creepy. And then Andrea is in her room again. She notices Cindy sleepwalking into that same arm wall. And she's like, all right, man, all right, just lay down in my bed. Just go to sleep. And she lays her down in the bed. But she sits up because you keep hearing this, this that thumping noise. She, it sounds like she's still walking into it, but she's, she's in bed with her. And she flings the she flings the doors open. She doesn't see nothing, but then you know the other daughter who's laying in bed sees you know the the demon Bathsheba is the uh, demon's name on top of it, and it jumps on top of her. Roger gets home from work, and he just hears nothing but screaming from outside of his house. So he runs in to the house. He flings the door open so Caroline can get out from the cellar. Then they run into Andrea's room to see this spirit just wrestling with her and like he's just like freaking out it's like what the hell is going on here what's going on brian you want to give us your thoughts on those two scenes man <laughs> yeah man all right so this one had me, <laughs> this one this one had me pretty messed up man I will, I will have to say the camera work whenever the uh the girl's uh, upside down looking at her under her bed and then sits up and the camera goes like upside down and it comes back and like makes you really feel like that you had just been upside down looking at the camera, looking under the bed. Um, I, I wrote that down, and and man, the basement scene, dude. Uh, James Wan, he really. Every time she kept lighting that match on the stairs, you keep. I keep anticipating. All right, but one of these lights, you're going to see a face in front of her, and James Wan's like, "Nope, motherfucker, over here, clap, clap." And so that's that. Really, I think that got me even. I was like, "Fuck!" Like I remember, <laughs> I remember during that scene, I was just like, "Man." This this 100% has me, and I keep I, I hate to keep comparing it to Paranormal Activity because that's the only thing I can think of to verbalize like why it bothers me. It bothers me to 
barely see the demon stuff, it bothers me to to feel like it's real and almost like that's where I believe in it. Now, and after the hour mark on this movie hits, it stops being scary to me. Like if the movie had just been haunting these people, doing this stuff, you know, and gradually getting worse and worse and worse, I guess kind of like Paranormal Activity did, but with more right. of a story, like it would have been terrifying to me the entire movie. But once they start showing showing the demons a, a lot, it becomes a witch kind of and not really a demon to me at that point anymore. And, you know, then we kind of get into more of the investigation. It becomes a better movie. It just doesn't be, keep it's not scary for me anymore at that point. It's if, if that makes any sense. It's hard for me to explain. Go, go ahead, Mike. I see you nodding your head. Go ahead. Well, I agree with him on the sense that I, I, I don't dislike anything going on there. But I almost, when that happens, it almost becomes like a faux documentary in a way. And I think that that's really, it's I mean, really well done. It's really I mean, well it's kind shot. Of basically what it is. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and everything you see from Ed and Lorraine's perspective is kind of faux documentary. But they do, a, and, and, you know, hand clap to James, hand clap, that's kind of funny. Uh, hand clap to James <laughs> Wan because he does a really good job of making you see things from different perspectives like when stuff's going on with one sister you're almost seeing it from the other sister's point of view and i think that's it's really well shot it's really well done so i think james wan does a great job with that and you know like you said brian i'm again these movies don't technic i mean they don't scare me scare me but there's some suspenseful shit in this where i'm like on the edge of my seat like okay where's this going and once you just kind of start seeing seeing Bathsheba, you, you're kind of, I'm not taken out of it. I'm just, now I'm in a different place. I'm like, okay, now it's almost like an investigation documentary. We, 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 you know, we got to find out what's next. We got to find this thing. And, and by the way, tip of the cap to, I didn't get the actress's name. I wish I had. Tip of the cap to the woman who plays the mom because she does a great job showing descent into madness. Like almost, bet, almost as good as Margot Kidder, but it's, so, uh, probably better. No offense, Margo. L- Lily Taylor is her name. Actually. Okay, so Lily Taylor does a great job of showing happy-go-lucky mom to, I'm about to lose my shit. What is going on here? And the hand clap scene that she talked about is very well done. So, again, all good, except for the fact that now I'm no longer on the edge of my seat. I'm like, okay, let's see what the Warrens do. I mean, they get me back, but there is a point where I'm kind of like, all right, it's a documentary at this point. So there's nothing wrong with that. I love documentaries. I just I wanted to make that d- distinction like Brian did. Go ahead, Drew. That's interesting. That's interesting because, like, the biggest thing when we was uh, reviewing, like, with the Blair Witch, you know, you was like, oh, we never really saw anything. You know, oh, it would have been better if we saw something. Now it's well, you kind of see it, and you're like, I know. Well. You've got to ride the line. And, and the Blair Witch, you don't see shit. In this movie, you see a little bit. You're on the ride. You're on the wave. And Juan makes you, you know, Juan makes you ride that wave. You think you're going to see something, and it's actually, it's over here in the corner. Like, so they do a really good job with that until you start to kind of see a little too much, which, you know, I've had, that's a complaint in every movie of mine, including my favorite of all time, so. You know. No, no, it's all good. Yeah. I just, I was like, wait, hold on a second. No, that I is good. Yeah, that before. But as far as the scenes here, like, um, each breakdown, like, that, the scene there is, like, there's so many different emotions attached to it. There's so many different perspectives taken from each one. 
And the tempo and the tone of the movie, you don't you feel it rising, but you don't really feel how high it's rising until you get to that right to that point. And then it's like bam, right in your face. And then it drops you back down. It kind of slows you back down. And uh, it to me, those are the kind of movies I like because I, I'll never get, I never get, never get bored with those type because you're going to keep me interested the whole way if you get keep me thinking the whole way through. And that's why I like the way they did it when you talk about it goes into the investigation part because it changes up a little bit different from where they were going. So I'm still going to follow, but it's not so. Um, so different, I lose all the rest of the part, the beginning parts, I guess, if you say. I don't lose the scariness part of it. I just, like, kind of segue into, okay, let's let's Scooby-Doo this shit. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, Brian. So, it, it, it's almost like, and Paranormal Activity is not some sort of masterpiece or anything, and I'm not oh. trying to say that. It's just, like, Paranormal Activity actually scared me a lot. But it wasn't a very good movie. Does that make sense? So, well, like, I mean, I, and I was, it, this was almost for the first hour paranormal activity. And it was actually a better, it was better, it was a better done. version. It was a right. better version. And it was really, it was actually scaring me for real. And then once, once that stopped, it became almost like, I don't want to say a thriller, but it was almost like a, a, a more of a typical horror movie than I'm used to. And the demonic stuff became, not scary to me. It didn't become the demonic stuff that I'm actually scared of, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was really realistic for the first hour, and then it became, okay, well, this is this is a, a different different type of demonic stuff to me. That that's And it's, like I said, it's hard for me to explain that, I guess, but I, I guess think paranormal activity, you know, uh, and then versus, like, you know, this for the next hour. That's why you know, I, I mean, I get what I get what you're saying because I think I think kind of you're touching on the fact that like you're you're talking about these uh you know, possessions, you know, and you've only you've seen them all. There's like you no know, each decade or century or whatever has had their own take on possessions and uh, movies and uh about possessions. So you're so used to it being portrayed a certain way, and then when that demonic possession is not portrayed that way I hear you just like okay that, that doesn't really scare me because it wasn't the same way as they've always been done right so after after the night where you know the father comes home and experiences all this stuff at his house it shows the next day or I guess it's the next day Ed and Lorraine they're giving this lecture at a university you know they're they're showing these all these students this film of an exorcism they've done and after they show the film, he pulls he pulls the screen back up and he just has the words infestation, oppression, and possession. It's the three stages of demonic activity. And you know, he breaks all the three uh the three stages down for the class. And then after that, it just shows Ed and Lorraine at their car. And then Carolyn, she's brought there by a man, and Carolyn meets the Warrens after the lecture. And she says, Can you come can you two come to my house? My house is in danger. And, you know, at first they're they're not really on board to go to this house because they're just, you know, they probably heard this a thousand times. But you really, I, I really like, I, I can't remember what she said, the actress's name was, but Carolyn, she really expresses, like, the true fear that she fears or that she feels in her house. She said, she tells them, you know, there's so many bad things going on. And she says, my five daughters are in danger in this house. So the Warrens, they get to the house to meet the kids. 
And you immediately see on on uh, Lorraine Warren's face that she sees something going on. And all the kids and the parents, they say, we're all sleeping downstairs now because it's a lot warmer and they feel safer. And then they bring up that they smell like this rotting meat smell. And Ed tells them that rotting meats could, could mean demonic activity. And then, then the father, Roger, says... We all and at nighttime we have we have these doors like tied together so we don't hear the three clapping noises because the claps come in in threes is what they say, and then Ed's like, so you hear the claps in threes and do they stop at dawn? He's like, yeah. Ed says, well, they do that. Demons do that as an insult to the trilogy. They go into the cellar and the rain says that she feels like something super evil has happened here. Then they're in the kitchen and Ed asks. After after they're in the cellar talking to the parents, Ed and Lorraine are sitting with the parents at the at the kitchen table, and they start you know recording everything, and they say, "Why don't you guys move?" And they say, "Well, we have all of our money tied up. We have nowhere to go with seven people." And Lorraine is with the daughter April, and she asks, "Can I listen to? Let me see this music box." As the daughter brings up the this imaginary friend Rory, so she oh. she does this music <laughs> box and she looks into the she. She looks into the mirror that's on this music box, and as it's spinning, she looks into it, and she sees behind her and the, behind the door the little boy named Rory, and she turns around, and he's not there anymore. And this, even though this scene was in the trailer, it still is good to me. Uh, Lorraine, she, she, she leaves outside the house, and she goes down. I guess it's a pond or a lake that's on their property, and she walks, in, she walks onto the dock, and then Ed follows behind and and as he hears it, he she turns around because she hears like this rope noise, and she turns around and she see you see those like gray feet right beside Ed's head, and she sees, and then she looks up and sees the whole body of a person who hung themselves there. So they they tell the the parents that this house needs an exorcism, and they're freaking out because they're like, oh, Godfather was just people. They said, no, this house is possessed as well, and it's coming after the family. So they just tell them, you know, they got to get proof for approval from an, for an exorcism. Ed and Lorraine are back home, and they notice that the recording. And then I wrote down on my notes, guys, I put, like, really big highlights by it because I really, really, I think the scene is underappreciated. But I won't say underappreciated. I don't think it's talked about enough, but I really liked it. They're listening back to all the tapes, and they notice that you can't hear the uh, the two parents tell their story. And then he t- Ed tells Lorraine, so what did you find out about this house? He says the farm was built in 1863, and it was built by a guy named Judson Sherman, married to a woman named Bathsheba, related to Marytown S., who was hung in the Salem witch trials. And she, and it's, and she said Judson caught Bathsheba sacrificing their son seven days after the birth at 3.07, and the son was pronounced dead at 3.07 a.m., she hung herself on the property and proclaimed her love of Satan, and she cursed anybody who would go to live on the property. Then, then Lorraine brings up the fact that another woman was killed herself, and she brings up all these other deaths on this property because the farmland had been, you know, sub, you know, subbed out over the years. She brings up the fact that a woman killed herself in the cellar. She brings up the fact that a boy drowned in the pond and a maid, a maid committed suicide. Then all of a sudden the tape cuts back on and you just start hearing like these demonic uh, moaning and you hear like them screaming. And I just wrote down that I just really liked that scene because I could feel the teamwork between the two of them. You could feel the bond. You could feel right. how strong right. their relationship is. Uh, Drew, do you want to give your thoughts on those scenes? Uh, really, uh, 
the only thing I really would like to say is I like uh the I liked how at the end and they're talking about it and they uh, she's like I noticed that there was a black mass attached to each family member when I went into the house and looked on. Also, I want to say literally the fakest family picture known to man that they showed. <laughs> The, I could have photoshopped that. Better. Oh man, it's I, saw, I was like, damn, yeah, that's I terrible. That was terrible. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, uh, like Nico says, you can definitely tell. And this is, goes again, you know, for them picking the right actors for this. Like they you could show that they were a team. They just went to well, went so well together, and you could see it. Like even portraying them, I like legitimately thought, I was like, man, they, it's like they've been working together forever, and then. They go digging in, and then they find out what they want to do. They have a game plan. It's very well, they're very well thought out uh, individuals. Like they're very um, pointed with what they do and how they attack. You know these possessions and these other things. They go. They always go through their little thing. Well, it was the pipes. You know, blah blah blah. Ahead, That's Mike. all I have for those. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Um, no, to piggyback off kind of what both of you said. These scenes right here kind of show me we have two really smart people that we're dealing with with Ed and Lorraine Warren. They know their stuff. They're they're and uh, again we talked about it a little bit ago where it kind of switches to an investigation movie in a way, but it's 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 so good and 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 so captivating. What like the details they're finding out? You you know that first what hour or so you're kind of waiting on that, and then you get it. You know, they start to fill in the blanks. Why Bathsheba is there. Why that, you know, basement cellar is haunted. You know, why the mom could possibly be, you know, starting to kind of lose her shit. You start to fill in the blanks and they do a really good job. And again, for a movie that doesn't necessarily scare me, they do a good job of still keeping my interest as far as uh, just the storyline, the, story, the, the, the plot. And I know that, this is based on a true story and it was based on, you know, a real family. And of course, like any movie in Hollywood, you have to kind of take some liberties, mm-hmm. but some of this stuff clearly, at least to these people happened the way they said it happened. And that bumpy ride is kind of fun. Like I'm not going to lie. So while not scary, I enjoy these scenes. I think from a narrative standpoint, they're necessary and I think they're really good. The acting, the acting in this movie by everybody, including the kids, is A plus to me. Oh, absolutely. Go ahead, yeah. Brian. Yeah, so this is where the movie to me takes a, a hard left turn, like at the fork in the road. And notice I didn't say like, you know, it takes goes south because it absolutely does not. And that's not what I mean. Because, you know, while the first half of the movie may have scared me, like, you know, paranormal activity, for instance. It's not something I want to go back and watch over and over again. Why the hell would I want to go watch a movie that honestly scares me? I mean, it's just not interesting. It's not something I really want to go do with my life. Where, <laughs> like, this this movie, like, goes from being scary to an actually good movie. And it does a really good job at this point of world building, um, you know, building the whole basically conjuring universe, giving you, in a very quick t- amount of time, like, a very thick and thorough history of, you know, the house, the, the, the farm, the, you know, Ed and Lorraine, like the, the whole, it gives you a whole lot of information very quickly and very good. And it starts, you know, like I said, world building and does a very good job of it. This is where it actually becomes 
an interesting thriller, actually movie that I would like to go see over and over again. <laughs> oh yeah, I agree. So just bear with me, guys. The next two scenes are kind of long, but I'll get all of you guys' thoughts afterwards. Ed and Lorraine and their and their crew, they cut, they show up to the house and they start setting up all these motion detectors, uh, bells, these uh, like these things that take you know motion detectors where they they, they flash whenever something walks by. Then it shows Lorraine and Carolyn. They're discussing this family portrait of them at the beach. And Carolyn just, you know, goes in depth of how much, you know, that day meant to her, how much he loves her family. Then it just cuts the investigator, Drew. He's flirting with uh, the, the oldest daughter, Andrea. Then they get this false alert with a bell, I believe. And it's just Brad. He's just using the bathroom. It's a little bit funny. He walks and like, hey, man, you got to go sometimes. And then it just shows Ed walking throughout the house. He's putting up crosses throughout the house, you know, just to, you know, help ward off the spirits. But then you hear another bell go off, and then the cellar door opens. So Drew follows him downstairs, and he see, and the, the, this is where the Warrens go downstairs to just investigate the cellar. And then, you know, they're just record, you know, they're recording all of this. Then they walk, nothing really happens downstairs. They walk out, and the door just slams by itself. Then I just wrote down. Now we're the next morning. All the I wrote, all the gang is at breakfast. They're having a good time. Ed tells Lorraine that he that Lorraine's outside, you know, hanging up like sheets and the laundry. And Ed tells Lorraine that he loves the country. And then Lorraine says they have such a beautiful family. Ed. Then all of a sudden it gets really really windy and it shows the sheet getting blown off of the clothesline up into where Carolyn is sleeping at. And Lorraine sees like this spirit walking in there, so she runs into the house. Then it shows Carolyn. She wakes up, and then Bathsheba is over her over her body, and you see like Carolyn or Bathsheba just like puke her spirit into her mouth, and like she just like awakens, and you see like her face blacken a little bit, and then by the time that Lorraine gets in the room, she's in the bathroom, and she she plays off that she got possessed. She just says that oh, I was just a little sick. Don't feel good. Then the scene cuts to where Ed and Roger they're working on this car. And then Ed tells them that the things that Lorraine sees and that the, the, the things she encounters it is what Ed says it takes a piece from her. And in the last possession that they dealt with, he said that Lorraine went into, she really, really, really suffered from it because she locked herself in her room for eight days and didn't come out with no food. Then, it's, then it shows Brad, he's, uh, he's pouring himself some coffee because he's really tired. But he hears like these noises outside and he, he goes out there and he hears, look what you made me do. Then he walks back in the house and he sees the spirit of the maid who committed suicide in the house. And he walks in to see it. Then it like attacks him. Then it shows Cindy sleepwalking. And she's walking up the stairs. And you see these motion detector lights flashing as she walks by. And the end Lorraine is like, don't follow her yet. We got to watch this. Something's going on. Then all of a sudden this door slams behind her. So they run up the stairs but Lorraine and Drew, they jump on the, the, the headphones to listen to what's going on. They say there's another voice in there with her. So Brad, he runs down to get this UV light, and they trace the footsteps in the room. And they find that there's, just like in the cellar door, there's an opening inside of this dresser or that armoire or whatever they've been, uh, you know, that's been utilized in this movie a lot. They find that April's been hiding in there. And then that's where she says that Rory hides Lorraine goes into the wobbly, I call it the, uh, the cubby hole, and she asks for the music box. She plays the music box, and she finds this rope, and she, it has a noose at the end of it. Then all of a sudden, she falls through the cellar into the, into the, she falls through the cubby hole into the cellar. 
and she starts hearing all this laughing and she turns on the music box and she looks into the mirror and she sees the, the mother sacrificing the daughter. Then, then all of a sudden you see the feet of that hanging body from outside just appear right in the cellar with them. And she runs out of the cellar and she says, I know what happened. She says, Bathsheba possessed the mother who sacrificed the child and she's possessed Caroline now. And now she's going after her kids. Now these scenes, the scenes are really, really long too. It's like yeah, like, that's I said, a, yeah. Like, like I said before we jumped into the review. I mean, this movie is like almost two hours long, and there's only 15 chapters on the whole Blu-ray. So I mean, there the, these scenes are like 10, 11, 12 minutes a piece, and that's why I'm reading so much of my notes at a time. Go ahead, Brian. Um, yeah. So let me just hit on a few things. Uh, when they first introduced Brad, the cop. Um, I didn't like him. I thought that he was going to be just comic relief, and I just didn't like his character. But um, the thing with the um, uh, the maid ghost, you know, kind of kind of scaring him and all that stuff. It, I mean, it was okay. I just I, I think J- this was a good uh, uh, good thing that James, good example of James Wan kind of saying, okay, you think that this is where this character is going. You think that this is going to be like the Dewey basically character where it's just going to be comic relief. and He's going to be stupid, not believe in any of the ghost stuff. And he takes you a different route with it. And by the end of the movie, I really actually ended up liking this character. Um, the only other scene I really kind of wanted to touch on was the uh, the scene where uh, Lily was in the bed and, you know, the kind of the demons over her. Um, this this kind of I mean, I don't say it scared me, but it. Like, I suffer every, like, probably six or seven times a year from, like, sleep paralysis. And so, like, that is, it almost feels like you're awake, but you're asleep, and you can't move at all. So the whole time, you're trying to wake yourself up, or me at least, trying to wake myself up or, or get my wife's attention. And But it always feels like somebody is, like, sitting on your chest. And, um, like, if you look it up, you know, it's it's linked a lot to demonic why, you know, things like that, just because of, you know, history. And that's kind of where they went with all of it. But, you know, it's really probably it's just our experience when it when I'm super, super sleep deprived. Um, and that kind of hits me. But and so that scene itself kind of, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's what they were trying to portray, but that's the way it came across to me anyway. Go ahead, Mike. So to me, these scene. Eh. Man, they are long, and not in a bad way necessarily, but they're very narrative-driven. They kind of set me up, and I didn't take a lot of notes on these scenes because they kind of felt like run-on. Like, I'm kind of like, okay, okay, okay. And so, um, not bad, just kind of like, I'm ready for the climax. I'm ready for something a little bit bigger, a little bit crazier, which I know I'm more like a subtle, 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 but eventually kind of ready for something to happen. And so I'm not saying nothing happened in these scenes, but um, really good setup scenes for what's about to happen, what's about to come. And again, I agree with Brian about what James Wan was trying to do here. So the next day, you know, they, the Ed and Lorraine, they're walking out, they're leaving. Ed tells Roger that they're going to get this film sent to the father to help get approval for the exorcism and that Drew is going to stay and keep watching, help watch out for everything going on. But it shows Lorraine going down to the dock one more time, and she sees she sees this drowning body floating by, and she looks at it, and she notices that it's her daughter Judy's face. So she runs back into the house to call her mom, because as you know, as the as her mom answers it, she's like panicking, panicking, panicking. 
And then Ed walk, walks in and says, what's going on? What's going on? So she says, I saw this dead body floating in the water, and it was Judy. She said, I, think, I thought it was a warning of something to come. And then it just shows that the family, they're taken to a motel room. And then it shows Ed and Lorraine talking to the father. And, you know, they're sitting down watching, and they're looking at all the pictures they got in the film. And the father, they talk about how serious this is. But he says, it's going to be hard to get approval for this because the kids aren't baptized, and they're not members of the church. Then it just shows Judy, she's at home in bed, and her necklace beside her bed that's hanging on a lamp starts to shake, and it's spinning around, it's going nuts. Then it shows her foot getting grabbed, just like the daughter at the house does. And So she gets up, she's walking around, and she starts calling out for her mom and dad. But I wrote down, like, it's like this spirit is chasing her throughout this house, because every, like, everywhere she's going, like, all the lights start keep going out. And then she goes into her parents' office, and she shuts the door, and she hears this, like, banging at the door. But then the, the lamp that's on, the light goes out. And she turns around, and she sees this woman rocking in this rocking chair, and it's got the Annabelle doll in her lap. And you see, like, the Annabelle doll's head start to, like, exorcism turn towards the look at her. And she starts banging on the door, yelling for Nana, Nana, Nana. And the Nana can't get the door open. And then as Ed and Lorraine, as they're pulling up to the house, Lorraine feels something going on in her spirit that something's not right. So they run in, Ed, he, fl- he, he finally gets the door open. And, and as he does, the rocking chair flies at them through their house and almost hits them. But Ed pulls Judy out of the way. And then he just goes into the haunted room to make sure that Annabelle's still in the case, and she still is. Hey, Mike, what are your thoughts on those two quick scenes, man? Really quick. For someone who's not scared of this movie, that... Man, that little bit kind of got me a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay. And anytime you involve a kid, I've said it a million times. Man, you can tell that kid is frightened. And so I'm kind of like, ah. And again, I said, I kind of crapped on the Annabelle doll earlier. And I will continue to crap on the Annabelle doll as the, as if we ever talk about the Annabelle movies. But in this scene, the way it's done, the way it's shot, the way the kid is terrified, I love it. It got me right back into how I felt in the first hour or so as far as just like, oh, okay, here I am. I'm ready. And again, this scene, the kid is great. Vera's great. Good stuff. Go ahead, Brian. Um, yeah, so I was kind of the opposite with that. I it didn't really it didn't really scare me at all. We disagree. The band is we breaking Mike and Brian is breaking <laughs> up. They're going solo, baby. Yeah, and so I was trying to figure out the whole time, like what was the point of the Annabelle doll in this movie? Unless they were number one trying to world build, you know, because I know like later, you know, they've they've had what three Annabelle movies since then. And I was like, are they sticking this in this movie just so they could have spinoffs? Because I, I really didn't, to me, you could, the whole first scene was, okay, yeah, it was tense, but you could take it out of the movie, and it literally has nothing to do with the movie, unless he was trying to only make it a little bit scary for this scene. But, you know, he, all, all the doll does is, is turn its head, and that's it. I mean, so I, I don't really know the point of the Annabelle doll, I guess, in this movie. And and maybe maybe you guys can correct me, or I'm not really sure what James Wan was trying to get at with it, but... To me, it just doesn't, the, the doll just doesn't do anything for me. I'll say, uh, it was, the scenes itself were pretty intense. I love this scene, the, the, when the rocking chair explodes, you know, and everything, and then the, the, the terror, the pure terror that just builds on this child's face, and during, as it 
you know, progresses through the little the scene there where it just like intensifies, intensifies, intensifies. But I, I, uh, to piggyback what you were talking about there, Brian, I really honestly think the reason why, I mean, I don't know for sure, but this is just my opinion. I think he put um, Annabelle in at the beginning to kind of set down what yeah. they do, kind of yeah, like so, give too. you that knowledge of like, okay, here, this, this is kind of what they do. This is a, a little snippet of what they did. And then he also was able to use it there at the end because it's stuff at the, the house, like the, uh, you know, they keep that they keep all their trinkets. I mean, if you don't know Ed and Lorraine stuff, they keep they keep everything. So right. they, yeah. they, they they were establishing that part. But the, I love the fact that they um, built such a really strong bond between Lorraine and her daughter. Right. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. From there, it's like, oh, something's wrong, you know. And, and that's mother's intuition to begin with. Most mothers you talk to, they, they had those type of feelings, you know, those type of, you know, feelings in their chest or whatever you say. And then, like, you know, I, I love that they did that, and it was great. It was I like I love those two scenes. Go ahead, Mike. I saw you put your hand up. So, so I agree with you, Drew. I think, and I kind of, I might have mentioned it at the very beginning, but, I think the Annabelle doll is in this movie because it sets up what Ed and Lorraine Warren do. What are, and they, you know, it even says Annabelle case, 1960, whatever. Well, that's there to let you know, these are paranormal investigators. This is why we're about to feature them in this other thing, like why they're important. They are really involved in a very publicized case with this Annabelle doll. And now they're important figures. This family goes out of their way to get them to be a part of what's going on inside this house. And I think the Annabelle doll, while, again, meh, for the rest of the Conjuring universe, in this movie, I'm fine with it. Because <laughs> it's better than, a, better than a Raggedy Ann, which is the Well, that's doll. the original, right. That's the, <laughs> and by the way, there's a Raggedy Ann cameo towards the end here. You see it uh, towards the end of the film. There's a Raggedy Ann cameo, and I'm like, okay, you didn't want to pay to use Raggedy Ann full time, but just a little cameo never hurt anybody. So, yeah, that's honestly this Annabelle doll. I mean, isn't even as scary as a, a, an old ass Raggedy Ann doll, really, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and it's not. It's not. I don't know. To to me, I almost. I mean, I could take it or leave it. I almost got the world building part. I got the room. I got the artifacts. I got the whole thing without seeing the scene. I mean, honestly, and you know, I think that this and this scene was really good. I didn't mean to take away from the scene with the, with the the chair being thrown across. Like that was really good. But you could take Annabelle out of that whole scene and, and it would still be very good and still be the same exact scene. So it almost took me personally. I'm like, man, the doll added nothing to it to me. I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. No, I totally get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like, if you take it out, the scene's still a great scene. Yeah, yeah. They did very good actor. I don't know if y'all wrote that fun fact down, but what Mike just brought about the Raggedy Ann is they actually went with the porcelain doll because they thought it looked scarier than just a Raggedy Ann doll. <laughs> hey, I don't even know if I agree with Told that. You. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, after this, it just shows Roger. He gets back to the motel where his family is. And he jumps out, and he's and the girls all run up to him, and they say, Mom left with Christine in April, and said they're heading back to the house. So Ed and Lorraine, they get – Roger calls Ed and Lorraine, and they're like, get to the house now. Then it shows Brad. He 
they can't get the door open. So the detective Brad, you know, he takes a shotgun and he shoots the door open. And it shows Carolyn, she's trying to kill Christine with these scissors. And it's really, I mean, this this is really intense, guys. This is the ending of the movie. It's really intense. She's trying to stab Christine with these scissors and the spirit, you know, they get they get Carolyn off of her and they try and take her out of this house so they can get her to the father for the exorcism. But as they go to take her out of this house, it kind of, you know, like in 30 days a night, whenever the light hits the vampires, that's what her, her face and her body looks like. It looks like the spirit is like like burning her from the inside out. So they say, we can't take her from this house, so the spirit will kill her. And then the spirit just, like, throws her on the ground and then rips her down into the cellar. They chase after her into the cellar. And, like, Caroline is going, she's going, like, ham on him. She's, like, biting. She bites Brad on the face. She's throwing it around. They finally, you know, get the, uh, Lorraine, she throws a sheet over her head. And then they tie her up to this chair. And they say, Father Gordon's not going to make it. So Ed, he says, I'm going to do this exorcism. And he tries he tries to get Lorraine to leave because he remembers still what happened in the last exorcism that they were a part of. And he doesn't want Lorraine to, you know, suffer anymore or lose another piece, as he'd say. But, you know, she says, I'm not leaving. We're in this together. This is why God put us together. So she runs outside to get the book. Then it shows Drew running throughout the house, scrambling to try and find April. And then back, back downstairs, Carolyn is making all these evil, evil noises. And then Ed throws holy water on her. And then it shows all the like the drawers in the basement shaking and then everything's moving and vibrating. It's going nuts down there. Then it shows all these like gigantic flock of birds outside. They're flying into the car window that Christine's in. They're flying into the house. And then a bird flies into a window that goes down into the cellar. And and everything in this room is just going super super nuts now. And then the the, the husband Roger, he is terrified. Because he sees all these bad things happening to his wife. He thinks that this exorcism is killing her. But they keep saying, Roger, we need you to speak positively. We need you to speak good things into her life right now. And then it shows the sheet right above where her face is. It rips. And you see Bathsheba's face now. And you see, like, blood spewing out of her face onto the sheet. And then this is a really good scene. But she cries, you know, it, it goes back and forth between Bathsheba and Carolyn. And she starts crying for Roger's help. And then everything stops shaking and the chair starts to levitate. And then it starts doing like rotation and it stays upside down. And then the spirit drops her and the chair breaks. And then she sits up and she starts laughing really evil. And then you hear Drew upstairs saying that he found uh, the daughter and she's underneath, I think, the kitchen floor. So Caroline, she sits up real fast, real evilly, and she laughs and she grabs those scissors and starts uh, chasing after this daughter. And she finds a hold of the she she gets a hold of her daughter and she's getting ready to stab the daughter and kill her, but Ed he he catches up to her and yells out her name. He yells out Bathsheba, I call you out. And then Lorraine puts her hand on her head, and then you know Lorraine's telling Roger you know speak positivity. And then Lorraine is just saying, "You remember that time at the beach? I need you to fight for your family, fight for your love for your family." And then all of a sudden, as you know Roger, as Rogers you know speaking positivity. And Lorraine, and she's she's praying some good things over. Her. And then, as Ed is just calling out Bathsheba's name, you see this light form around her head. And then she's like falls to her knees, and she like vomits up the spirit onto the ground. And I'll I'll read the last you know happy part next. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on that uh, exorcism scene? So I'm really glad I'm really glad that they they let Ed do the exorcism exorcism and not you know the priest. I really am glad it, it adds a. a like you know, a personal touch to it, I guess that right. you wouldn't have gotten from from if a, if a uh, 
uh, preacher would have come and done it. And, um, you know, I really liked the part where, um, you know, he just she takes off with the scissors and, and you're just like, oh, shit, like, boom, right through the walls and through all the parts that they've established, you know, through the whole movie are there. Um, I will say going back to the let me just say also, I, I haven't seen this movie, like I said, and I wanted to do something different. Very rarely is there a movie that I haven't seen, much less a very popular movie like this and an entire universe built up about it that I didn't watch, didn't care to even take a gander at it. So when I found out we were doing this movie, I told I told you guys earlier, but I want to tell everybody else too, like I didn't do any research on it. I wanted to do something different and go into this completely cold. And um, so like actually when, when I said that earlier about the Annabelle doll, I, I didn't until you guys told me I didn't even now it makes sense. It makes sense because it was a real, you know, there's a real doll out there. There's a real, um, you know, at, at their museum or whatever that they kept this stuff in. So it makes sense that they would put that in for people who knew that um, I was just, Hey, strictly looking at it from a movie point of view. But now that I know that, Hey, it makes more sense. And, and it doesn't, I, I, I view the Annabelle doll, I guess, a little bit differently in this movie now that I see that. So I just wanted to say that. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, I love these. I love these ending scenes. It's very one of the few times. A few times, like when she, uh, the demon's face like breaks through, you know, the the rip and the thing, and you see the blood, and then just the demon's like half face coming out, and then just this craziness going on, like that. The hairs on my arms were standing up. It's like you know, there's like five real good peak moments in this movie that would that did that to me. Just got me amped up, adrenaline's running, hair standing up on my on my neck and everything. And it's just uh, it was so intense and well done. And um, uh, there might have been a, you know a few moments, a few things you kind of probably could have took out of it, but not nothing that took away from the the movie. But uh, when she uh. <laughs> I put my note down here on um, when when the demon goes, she's already gone. Now you're all going to die. I was like, well, that, damn, that's a little intense. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was good stuff. Definitely and good stuff. I'll, I'll say I was actually, I was impressed with the uh, the makeup, I guess. It was either makeup or visual effects or the combination of both for the um, for when the demon come through um, the mom. I was really impressed. I like. I thought it was a. I thought it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, very well done. I agree. Go ahead, Mike. What are your thoughts on the exorcism scene? Loved it. And normally, for someone who's not a, not a fan of the uh, of um, a mostly exorcism type scenes or movies, thought it was really well done. I thought. I thought the cinematography is good with it. I think the effects are good. Um, one thing, man, <laughs> it it. it Kind of like what Brian said, Ed doing the exorcism is much more important than bringing in a priest. It hits, it hits home the fact that if you know, well, at least if, if you know the Warren story, you know that he's recognized by the Catholic Church. So once mm -hmm. you know that going, if you, if you know that going in, you know why that makes sense. And again, I think that it's an intense scene and the scene works. Because the movie is kind of so calm for a lot of the ride. Like, it's a bumpy ride. There's little scares here and there. But the, the, the mood is so calm. And then it's like, whoa, zero to 100. To quote great philosopher uh, Drake. 
zero to a hundred. And I think that's why the scene worked <laughs> for me is that it was just like, okay, now we're in, we're in some shit. And like you said, the demon or Bashiba, it's great. Now you're all going to die like that. That's good stuff. So they enjoyed that a lot. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, one of the good things I'll say, too, is I liked how they kept it under the sheet, the demon under the sheet and the changing. You know, yes. it didn't show it to you. They, 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 you know, James Wan, like, you know, let it let you hear it, let it build up, let it build up before it finally showed it to you. And I, I really liked that. I think that added a lot to it. They didn't go straight, you know, the exorcist with it where it was just boom, you know, Linda, Linda Blair is just, you know, possessed and looks crazy. Like, you know, so. I almost almost called her Linda Hamilton too because I was just oh. watching the Terminator. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, um, I just wanted to add that about the sheet. Drew, you got any more final thoughts on the exorcism before I read off the last scene? I think the the only thing I was gonna say is uh, with y'all talking about how you're glad that Ed's the one that you know they've had Ed the one doing it because I think that gives you uh, a sense of familiarity with the character that's actually going to be doing some of the most important work. Right. Had they put brought in that, even that priest, even though he was very minute in the show, a movie and had he come and doing, I think it would have lost a lot of luster to it. I mean, granted this is, they're basing this off the Warren file. So they right. probably wouldn't have changed that because right. that's not what happened. But I can see what you're saying. Like if, if it, if it would have, the movies would have changed it and let somebody else do it. I think I would have lost a little bit of the, love i had for that scene it's also different every exorcism movie we see eventually involves a catholic priest and while there's one there you don't this is different it, it, mm -hmm. and i think yeah. that's why i liked it so much i'm like huh okay because again every every exorcism movie almost ever is the power of christ compels you uh -huh. you know not right. to be cheeky with it but you get my point and and this is different. And I thought it was great. And by the way, Patrick Wilson, great in this scene. Yes. Awesome. And I was about to say, you know when he like Fantastic. you know shit's about to go down when right. he pulls that necklace out. It's right. like it's doo -doo -doo. Great. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Yeah. bam and dropped it and then it was on. Yep. And every and everything that's going on with his wife too, it adds so much more of a personal touch to it rather than that, if you just had brought in the priest, it just like you said, it wouldn't have been the same. Oh, absolutely, I agree. And this is the final scene. It just shows they're carrying Carolyn outside the house. I wrote as a free woman, basically. She hugs April and Roger. Then it shows all the rest of the family showing up from the motel. And this is kind of a little bit of a funny scene to me. The guy, Drew, walks up to Brad and says, hey, do you believe now? And Brad's like, I'll take a guy and a gun over any day over this. <laughs> then it shows the Warrens. They're at home. And Ed, he puts the music box into the haunted room. Uh, Lorraine goes and calls the father to tell them all what happened. And she tells Ed that there's a case in Long Island that they'd like to discuss with him. Then it just shows at the very end of the movie that Music Box plays one more time. So that's the that's the the final, final scene of it all. Uh, Drew, you got any quick thoughts on just that last scene, the freedom and the, the, the warns at home? Just to, go, just to go show you that, you know, even when you go through the proper channels and they got through with everything, they were like, Oh yeah, we we approved it. You can go do the exorcism now. Like, okay, you're a bit late on that. We would we right. went ahead and did our own thing. You're a bit late. Uh, I love it. Uh, I like the ending. I think the I think the ending did well enough there, but I, I could have been better. But I, I liked how it popped up, and you know, you hear the music, and you see all the other, you know, the other trinkets and stuff that they pull from the thing. Those, and then you just like you. I instantly thought when I was at the theater and watched this movie. 
I was like, oh my God, there's so much stuff here that they're going to be able to do so many more movies with. And I was ready for them. Mike, go ahead, bud. So I think the, you know, just a little ending scene kind of brings back a sense of calm in a weird way. Just like it kind of brings you back to what the rest of the movie was like outside of the last, you know, the last like 25, 30 minutes that you just saw, maybe a little less, but it kind of brings back a sense of like, uh, not realism, but I don't want to put it that way, but just like, it brings you back down from the high you were just on. And so, and by the way, the music box, anytime there's a music box, I get a little creeped out. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> I uh, thought it was good. thought it was a good way to end because you don't want to just, you know, you don't want to end on too, I don't know. You just don't want to end too crazy because we've already seen as crazy as it can get. Unless you have another really cheap jump scare, which would have completely killed this movie for me. I'm glad it didn't. So thought it was well done. I think the reason why they didn't, though, if you think about it, I don't think they had plans at that time to probably make another one yet because they didn't know how successful this one was going to be. Well, yeah. Had they known the success it was going to have, they probably might have like played kind of like another little intro like they did at the beginning of this, but only at the end of rolling into another investigation that they were going to go into uh, instead of just ending right. with the, the thing. Right. I'm sure they had no idea they were going to have a universe. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, they might not have had known they were going to have a universe, but I really liked the line at the end where, you know, she says you got another call, basically implying right. for people, who, the little Easter egg, implying, oh, hey, they're going to go do the Amityville Horror now, you know, that that's built based on, which I, right. I, I liked that. You know, I liked that little, it was a, hey, to be continued without really being to be continued. So mm -hmm. um, I... And like I said, I came into this cold and I'm continuing to stay that way because I didn't want, you know, I really, when I finished this movie, when I got to this point, I really wanted to watch the second one. And I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want it to affect the way I looked at this movie, like a lot of times sequels do. So, right. And that is, that's a great point, Brian. After watching, you know, before Conjuring 2 came out, I love this movie and I still love this movie. But after you watch the second one, honestly, the second one is so damn good. Like, oh, I love they, that second like, one. Like the, the second yeah. one almost affects the rating of this first one. It does. Because it it's does. so good. Uh, do y'all want to jump in? Do y'all got any more final thoughts on the ending? Or y'all want to jump in? This? I wrote some fun facts now. Okay. I got uh, a few real too. quick. Hey, real quick. I know we like to do. I like to at least talk about it every movie. Yeah, I know. I missed a real quick. And is fine. this a budget? Yeah. So yeah, I wrote I, it down too. But go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so it was, a, you know, they had a $20 million budget. They made yeah. over $300 million. I could never actually pin down the exact amount. Maybe somebody else can. But they made over $300 million, uh, which is <laughs> a lot of damn money for a $20 million movie. Uh, and I thought it was kind of cool that it was rated R because there's not a real good reason that it was right. rated R. But it's rated R as almost like a symbol. Like, this movie is scary. To people, yeah. you know, like, it's a scary movie. And there's no – it's not – there's no, there's not a lot of gore. There's not any nudity, really. You know, there's just it's rated R because it's scary, and I think that's very cool. Um, one more thing, uh, it ranks in the top ten horror movies all time as far as money made. Uh, it sits right around Silence of the Lambs, sits right around uh, uh, Poltergeist and stuff like that. So it, it sits really high. It sits right up there with Seven, which isn't a real horror movie. It's a thriller, but that's fine. It, it, it's still you know in that category in that realm. And uh, worldwide, I think I said I said over 300 million. It was probably a lot more than that if someone pinned down the exact amount. 
I'll go ahead and read mine off, then I'll let y'all jump because I wrote down the, the exact same thing Mike said. Uh, the budget was twenty million, like he said. Opening weekend, it made forty one million eight hundred fifty five thousand three hundred twenty six dollars. It grossed in the U.S. one hundred thirty seven million four hundred thousand, and worldwide, like he said, it made three hundred and nineteen million four hundred ninety four thousand. Uh, the production team they built a fifty foot tall tree for 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 the set. Hmm. Um, Patrick wow. Wilson and Vera Farmiga both traveled to Connecticut to meet Lorraine Warren prior to filming. Uh, director James Wan modeled the film cinematography and atmosphere after vintage 1970s horror films. And another one that Mike touched on is the film contains no sex or nudity, little profanity, tame and mostly bloodless violence, brief depictions of alcohol and no smoking. And it was rated R solely off of the scare factor. And I Incredible. got all my, all of mine off of, uh, IMDB. Uh, Drew, do you want to go next? Yeah, I got a, I got, I'll, I got three here. Um, yeah, the, the, there was actually a bidding war for this movie. Uh, it took over twenty years yeah. to actually get in there. Six different. It was between six different studios. Six different studios. Uh, it said before and after that the fate of the film was stuck in limbo because I mean it took t- took two decades to get it done. Um, Wow. It actually had a different title to start with. It was actually yep. uh, originally called The Warren Files, but they changed it. Um, <laughs> and then my last one is that Lorraine Warren actually has a cameo in yes, this. She does. She is in the front row of a cl- she's in the front row of the classroom Election. when yeah. when Patrick Wilson is talking. So mm-hmm. she's the old lady and I think that's really cool. Um, you pretty much listed all the ones I had outside. Originally, the idea of this movie was to tell it from the family's perspective. They decided to change that as you know, as as production went along. Which, again, the war, the 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 Ed Lorraine Warren has been used for Amityville. This movie, the sequel to this movie, Poltergeist. It's you know the Annabelle movies, like even the Nun. You know, like all the way down to those movies, their stories have been used over and over again. So. I think it took so long because I couldn't quite find where to place this one. There was a lot of back and forth on on production and budget, and it ended up being a smaller budget than than it originally was supposed to be. And so, a lot. It took twenty years. It took you know a little bit over twenty years to get this film in gear. And by the way, another really cool fact is the composer who composed the score and all the other music for this movie played Bathsheba, wore the makeup, did all the oh, stuff. Wow. So the oh, composer cool. is actually the person that uh, played the demon in this movie. I thought that uh, that was pretty cool. So, oh, it's also at the time was the highest opening for an R-rated film ever. Uh, before we jump into our ratings, I wrote down. Um, I talked about it earlier. I thought I wrote down to me an underrated scene of the movie was just when Ed and Lorraine are discussing the tape and the findings that Lorraine found on the house and property. I I don't know why, but as I was taking notes on it, I just. I felt the connection between them two. Like, I mean, you are, you already felt it, but I really felt the connection between them two as like a, a, a couple, um, a team, uh, professionals. I felt all that together in one scene. And I don't really think that scene would get talked about much, but I really liked it. I don't know if y'all have any favorite or least favorite scenes, but Brian, you can go ahead and go with your rating, brother. That, that's interesting what Drew said about the original title. Usually I'm like, oh, those were dumber. You know, those are dumber. I really actually like the Warren Files. Almost if you could have gone like the Warren Files, you know, colon, The Conjuring, 
and then you could have really built a world off, you know, every time you had a spinoff, you know, the Warren Files, this, whatever, and it would have been very mm-hmm. obvious to uh, to everybody that it was all a shared universe. I almost like that better, to be honest with you. Um, as far as the ratings go, um, I, I really, like I said, I really like this movie. You know, even though it was two different halves, I think that made it better. Um, I'm going to rate the movie an 8.5. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, like I said, I wish I could kind of go back and fix maybe some of my earlier ratings, but I feel like I've got a, I'm in a, I'm in a flow. You know, I really, like I said, I really like this movie. This is also based on me not seeing any of the other ones either. So, um, you know, like, like I said, uh, my rating for Friday 13 part four was probably affected because I knew I liked six better, you know, things like that. I knew that Tommy Jarvis was, you know, going to be different in, uh, later on. So I don't know any others is going up. I kind of like going into this as something different, something that I haven't really done in a long, long time going into something cold like this. So it's I'm kind of excited about it. I'm ready to watch the second one. So the conjuring, the conjuring for me on this one is uh, just like Brian's 8.5. So between very good and excellent. I love this movie. And I and I rewatched and I just I had to take the second one out because it's so, it's so damn good. Then just focus my attention on this one. But it's it's an easy 8.5. I'll watch if it comes on TV. No no if ands or buts. Oh, you know, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm, let me just say too, I don't I'm probably the same way as you are, Drew. I don't know if there's a whole, there's a couple movies out there that I like that I would rank a 10 easily. And that's just my favorite, you know, some of my favorite movies out there. But horror movie-wise, I don't know if I've seen a 10, but it's really exciting to 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 watch some movies that I've never seen before like right. this that are really good that, hey, maybe it's out there. And I'm kind of excited about the possibility of that. That's like with my selection with the, the bonus draw. I, I never I never saw that movie, and I was like, oh, my God, he actually picked why a good one. You? I loved it. <laughs> and I loved it. It just right. threw me off. Right. All right. I'll go ahead and get my rating next. You can go last, Mike. All right. Um. I rated the movie a nine. I'm going into the two decimals tonight. I rated the movie a nine point two five, nine and a quarter. Um, I absolutely, I wrote down. I absolutely love this movie. I really like the family of the Roger, Carolyn, the kids. I can put myself in all of their shoes. Feel that I felt everything they were going through. Um, I love the house. I love both houses. I love the rain of Ed's house, and I love the Roger and Carolyn's house. I think the cinematography is amazing. The acting is great. The atmosphere in this movie is executed greatly. Uh, I'm a huge fan of James Wan. And I wrote the biggest benefit of this movie is Vera and Patrick. Uh, They're so great as the lead couple. Honestly, I mean, if you told me, if I didn't know who they was and just watched the movie and you told me they were married in real life, I would believe you. I I really think they portray a married couple great. And my only con really is I didn't see it in theater, so I don't have that experience. And the second one kind of puts it down a little because the second one is so great to me but i wrote not much bad to say it's just not the most original movie ever but it's executed damn well that's so i gave it a 9.25 mike go ahead and drop that rating on us brother uh, i'm gonna give this movie a flat eight and the and that by, by, by the way that's not a knock i think eight's a high rating i love this movie again not scary just because it's, it's not something that scares me but the movie itself the story, the plot, the way it's shot, the way it's directed, the direction that it goes, and the way it sets up the second one, which it does affect my rating. Now that I've seen, I mean, I've seen both movies, so that movie affects this rating. Uh, the spoiler alert: second one will have a higher rating. 
But this movie is really well for laying the groundwork for the second one. And I think it's a flat eight. I, I think that's fair. It, it's really well acted. I love everything about it. Not many negatives outside of the way they marketed this movie, which that can go to hell. One per show. Got to have it in there. So <laughs> <laughs> I give it a flat eight. That's the Conjuring fellas, and I love that movie personally. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's uh, been listening to us ever since we started this. Um, we're going into a new year, and um, I don't want to. I don't want to count my eggs before they hatch. But we've got some things cooked up. Hopefully, that comes through for us throughout the month of January. We're going to be reviewing the Conjuring two next week, and a, a friend of mine who's a, a big time. We're, ho- we're hoping we got a big-time guest for us next week, especially if you're a Florida State football fan. That's how me, Brian, Drew, and Mike all know each other through Florida State football. So we're hoping we get a guest on next week who, who's – if you're a Florida State fan, he's a recent – he's a superstar, honestly. He, he's one of the best players of all time. We're hoping he, – he's, he's, he said he's going to be on the show, so we're hoping everything goes through. But um, we thank you. I, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I thank all three of y'all for being on the show with me. I, I really enjoy doing this every week, hanging out with you guys and just talking horror movies. We talk about this shit on the timeline every day. It seems about whether it's me and Mike <laughs> slandering each other or just thinking of new new ideas, new new reboots. Uh, Brian dropping some some hot graphics on us every day, which I really appreciate. And I'm really excited to be doing The Conjuring 2 as the first movie going into the new year because there's a Conjuring 3 coming out too later in the year, which I'm really, right. really excited for. Right. Uh, Drew, g- g- give me your thoughts on that new Conjuring going into uh, next year. What What's you thinking, brother? Um. So I looked. I looked at it. It's called "The Devil Made Me Do It." So it's off of the one guy. I can't remember the name of the guys, but uh, real quick. But uh, it's off a guy that actually tried to use. He killed. I think it was. I can't remember if it was his parents or whatever. He killed somebody in his home or whatever. And then he actually tried to use the demonic um, possession as his defense in court. Interesting. So that's that's what this one's about. So I, I think this one's okay. going to be really good. I have a feeling it's going to be really good. Do you mean like he's using it as a fake, like he really wasn't possessed, or he was actually was possessed and he's using it as an excuse? That's what he is. That's what he, I mean, he legitimately likes, oh, let's, I'll look it up right here. That's real quick. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I haven't even watched any trailers or done any research on it. I'm, I'm kind of still in the blind about it, but if you say there's a new Conjuring movie, I'm definitely excited and ready for it. Okay, so it's it's a fight for the soul of a young boy that takes them beyond anything they've ever seen, and it, it marked the first time in U.S. history that a murder suspect would claim, you know, possession as their defense. Oh, wow, okay. Whether, whether it was or wasn't, you know, that's kind of, you know... The movie can prove or disprove, whatever. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm not going for a factual standpoint from this. I just want it to be a really fucking good movie. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Anybody got any final thoughts on just the show as a whole going into the new year, guys? Man, I appreciate I'm, all of you. Man, I'm excited. I I uh, I liked it. We <laughs> I know we started out as almost like a slasher show. It's kind of our logo, and we will. I've had a bunch of people ask. We will get back to doing some slashers, I promise. But <laughs> to me, it is, uh, it's fun to kind of dip and dive in a bunch of different genres. And I think, like you said, we t- you talked about having Rashad on the show. That's going to be great. Uh, right after that, 
you know, we're going to cover Halloween 2018, which I will nitpick to death. So prepare yourself, listeners. Prepare yourself for me to carve that shit up like a Thanksgiving turkey because it's coming. And I still like the movie. Don't, I'm not saying that, but uh, here it comes. And after that, I don't know if we want to announce. I mean, we have – I'll save it. We have a lot on deck, so yeah. I'm going to save it. So again, we have a lot of different, a lot of different subgenres of horror coming. Eventually, Drew's going to get to pick a movie. I swear, it's coming. <laughs> I promise. And I, we really appreciate every listener that we have, man. It, it's been, it's kind of weird to see it grow. Um, it feels, it feels, man, it feels good. It just to, to, to see where we started to start lead, You know, I get text. I'm starting to get, you know, our, our, our. Um, you know, we're starting to get Instagram messages and Facebook messages and stuff like that and it's, and stuff on Twitter. And so really cool to see it grow. By the way, rate, subscribe. I'm going to annoy the shit out of everyone with this, but rate, subscribe. Rate, subscribe, please. It really helps us out and it grows the show. And by the way, shout out to horror YouTuber Cody Leach, who is now a subscriber and listener to our podcast. Hopefully he gives us a cheap plug soon so we can. Hey, we're going to be having a YouTube channel here page. soon too. Yeah. yeah oh, awesome. yeah, YouTube awesome. channel. Oh, and by the way, we're coming to a horror convention. Spoiler. Yes. Going February. To February. Going to horror. Yes, convention. we are. No doubt. Looking I'm forward to it. That. And as far as the new conjuring goes, really looking forward to it. Can't wait. Only thing I'll say, don't overdo it. This needs to be it. Done with the conjuring movies because my rule of four after four. So they got one more. They got one more. Just The Conjuring. They could do spinoffs all they want, although they've had some shitty spinoffs. But after four, I have a rule four. After that, you're done. Looking at you, Halloween. <laughs> I was actually going to say something about that, Mike, before we closed out. The, the, the first two Conjurings are great. Some of this uh, spinoffs in the universe, uh, just like every uh, horror franchise, right, they got to right. stink. <laughs> uh, Brian, you got uh, any none. final thoughts about just the show and all or going into the new year? No, man. Hey, I don't even feel like a co-host. I just feel like a fan, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative every time I get to come on here, man. It's just, it's awesome. Just sit down and, and talk about horror movies with a bunch of guys that I consider friends. So I'm super excited about going into the new year and, and everything that we've got coming up. Drew, anything else? No, I'm just saying, I'll say this. If I can watch a bunch of slashers and Brian can watch the stuff that he doesn't really get into, our fans can do the same thing. Enjoy exactly. the journey with us. Enjoy the journey with us. I, I, I watched Amityville Horror again, so that's how you know I love you, buddy. If just if just a couple people pop in some movies that you've never seen before and just you know uh, give yourself venture out of the box a little bit, hey, we've done mm -hmm. our job. Silent Night, Deadly Night is the perfect example of that. None there of you, you had ever seen it. I recommended it on a whim as a bonus, and we all ended up enjoying the shit out of that. <laughs> there you so go. That's really good. Right. Absolutely. Right. One more time, thank you to everyone who listens. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there.